You're listening to episode 141, The Power of Vision with Steve Gamlin. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is the Dance of Life podcast. Every week, my goal is to inspire you to take action towards what you love, live a transformed life, and enjoy the journey there. Are you ready? Let's go. Don't let others tell you what to do. Don't let the limitations of others limit your vision. If you can remove your self-doubt and believe in yourself, you can achieve what you never thought possible. That's by Roy T. Bennett, The Light in the Heart. And today we're talking about the power of vision. My awesome guest is Steve Gamlin. Steve is a speaker and author that blends humor and motivation to deliver lessons directly from his own life with frequent trips to the humor bank, as he often says. His credo, that which doesn't kill me, gives me a heck of a story to share, has already guided him through driving golf balls in a thunderstorm, jumping out of a three perfectly good airplanes, leaping off of a 108-story building, and plunging into the ice-cold Atlantic Ocean to raise money for charity. As long as life continues to teach him lessons, Steve will continue to share them in the most real ways possible. Steve is also celebrating the release of his new Vision Board Mastery Program, where he takes you step-by-step through all the important aspects of planning your vision, creating a vision board, and jumping into action to fulfill your dreams. In this episode, Steve and I jump into a powerful conversation on the many important parts to having a vision and planning your future. Stuff like why it's so important to know your path, what are some of the big obstacles that get in the way of walking on your path, and what you can do to stay on your path once you've started walking. A link for the Vision Board Mastery Program will be available in the show notes to this episode, so you can check it out at www.danceoflife.com slash episode 141. Steve is also happy to offer a free 15-minute strategy call for people who may wish to learn how they can engage visualization as part of their goal setting and life plan. We're just about to dive into this exciting conversation, but first, if you enjoy this episode, make sure to subscribe and share it with at least one friend who you think it'll make a difference in their life. You can also tag me on social media with your thoughts, at Tudor Alexander Official. That's my Facebook and Instagram. And let's get the conversation going. You know, vision is such an important part of our life. I think that these kinds of conversations are things that we can all benefit from on a regular basis. So with that, let's jump into the power of vision with Steve Gamlin. Welcome back, everybody, to the show, the Dance of Life podcast. My name is Tudor Alexander, and I have an amazing, amazing guest here, Steve Gamlin. What's up, buddy? Hey there, Tudor. How's it going? So good to have you on the show, man. We It's so funny. Like, we literally just met through, what, a common Facebook group, right? Like, a couple weeks ago? Uh, yeah, very recently. And all and of a sudden- One conversation like, led to another, and then boom, you know, that's, yeah. that's really that's, cool. That- uh, no, I was going to say, uh, your, your whole- line of work and what you're doing right now is really inspires me because you know we're talking about the power of vision today and I can tell you in my own life this has been such a journey so it's, it's just so I was gonna say it's so funny how people meet like I, just meeting you and just in the last couple of weeks we've been so talking about all this vision stuff has actually really resonated with 
everything that I'm doing in my life right now is just articulating continually why we do what we do. You know, that's so important. So, uh, what, you know, your whole thing is motivational firewood. I love, I love that whole thing. So what, tell us about that. What's, what's up with that? Yeah. Motivational firewood is actually something that came out of a conversation I had with a fellow speaker at a national speakers meeting about 12 years ago. And I was new to the association and he was a veteran member and he said, so young man, what do you speak on? I said, well, you know, it's motivation. He goes, okay, about a billion people say that. So what else? And he kind of asked me a couple of questions over and over and over drilling deep. I said, well, you know, when somebody wants to do something, when they have a spark in their heart, but they don't quite know where to go or what actions Mm -hmm. to take. I said, what I provide is like motivational firewood. It's a little bit of fuel that maybe stokes up the fire a bit let them share a little more light and, and make it actionable. And he said, motivational firewood. Do you know anything about trademarks? I, said, <laughs> I was going to say you got a Not trademark. a thing. He said, look it up because I like the concept of that. He goes, run with it. Run with yeah. it. Take how, it. So many, I, how many I years have you been doing that now? Uh, I've had the trademark for about 12 years. I've been speaking for wow. about 14 or 15 years now. That's amazing. You know, I want you to share that story you were telling. We were talking about a little bit off air a couple of days ago with uh, the guy who stopped you in the store. Remember that? He, yeah. Like yeah. At a spe- I, that was so cool, man. That was like Thank awesome. You. One of my favorite things, whenever I'm speaking, and it, it's great. I've had some people have seen me 10 times over. And it's wonderful that you've got people that know your stuff and they're really, you know, fired up. They sit in the front, they clap and cheer. The people I really try to reach are the ones way in the back who are sitting in the shadows who may not actually engage you that day. But when you find out later that something you said impacted them, a number of years ago, I was down at a grocery store in what I call the Captain Crunch aisle, because that was my favorite aisle when I was a kid. So I was in the cereal aisle and a gentleman walked past. And then from behind me, I heard a voice, hey man, you're that speaker, right? And I looked around, we're the only two in the aisle. So I said, yes, sir, I'm a speaker. Where did you see me? And he named the location, it was down in Massachusetts. And it was an unemployment networking group to kind of help give people a little spark to keep going in their job search. Hmm. And I said, well, what do you remember about my presentation? And he quoted and told almost verbatim the story I was telling at the time and the picture that was on the screen that resonated for him. Wow. I still can't believe that. That's crazy. (laughs) We did the math. It had been three years since I'd been there. And I said, well, the most important question, what did you do with the lesson? And he said, I had a job interview the next week. And I took what you said about confidence, about looking people in the eye, not staring at the ceiling, my shoes or my resume mm-hmm. and just have a connection. And, uh, oh, by the way, I got the job. <laughs> that, you know, that, that makes, feeling. It's like that makes your freaking day, man. I mean, to yeah. be able to, you know, a lot of times, especially in the kind of work where you are, let's say we talk about vision, right? Vision is a long-term game always, right? So we yeah. are continually in the habit of projecting that you know, it's like the old saying, like always plant a tree that you'll never see it fully grown or something like that. Yeah. Probably butchering the quote, but you get the no, idea. Actually, I love that. I think you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, I don't know where I got that from, but I do remember some story. It was like in Japan, there, there's, there's something about planting a, a forest or something that you'll, you'll never see grow or something like that. But anyway, the point is we're continually working towards something that, you know, it's so far off and it's very easy to kind of, you know, during that 
that gap, right, between where you are now and where it's going to happen or fulfilling that vision, it's easy to get distracted, very easy to get uh, disillusioned, you know, whatever, feel like you're, you're not getting results or you're not making impact, even, uh, you know, if you are very convicted about what you do. So those little moments, you know, when somebody can just stop you, um, you know, like randomly at a grocery store, uh, that mm. just makes, makes it all worth it, man. That's so and, cool. And my favorite part was I wasn't even supposed to be there. I actually started out a little bit early and had a little time between meetings and I was driving up the road and I said, oh, there's a grocery store. I should save myself a trip for later. Mm. And it happened. So there's no such thing as a happy accident. It's not yeah, luck. I was going to say. Yeah, the Beatles had a great line in the song, All You Need Is Love. It's in the third verse, I believe. Mm. So there's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. It's easy. All you need is love. Mm. And you just stay on your your path, your mission, your, 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 you know, stay in your lane. Yeah, yeah. Don't stare at your shoes all day. Be looking mm. ahead and engage everything. And you're going to make these amazing connections. It happens to me all the time. I just laugh every time now because I know yeah, I'm supposed to be here right now. You know, it's funny. I like to say path because I use that word a lot myself, like just the, the word path. And particularly, you know, like when we, when we find our path, right? So we're talking about vision, you know, your, your path in life. I like the word path for, for one reason, mostly one. There's a lot of reasons, but there's a big reason why I like it because path there's a direction to it. There's a movement to it. It's not just this stationary picture because vision is very important. But a lot of times it's like vision is okay. There's the picture, but what path am I on? I'm moving constantly. Well, you know, your choices, the things you believe good or bad, they put you on a momentum, a path, regardless, you're on a river floating somewhere and you could be going this way or that way, you know, depending on the path that you're on. And I think when we think about our, let's say direction in life, you know, uh, our, as a path, like, Hey, you're moving regardless. I think that's very effective to make you accountable say, Oh crap. You know, I'm looking, you know, where am I, where am I going? That kind of thing. So, yeah. And it's funny. You just made me think of something that I haven't thought of, uh, since I was 18, my high school yearbook quote was from the song stairway to heaven. It said, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. <laughs> and when you just said path, it made me think of that. And I literally have not that hasn't been jogged in a long time. Isn't it funny time. how stuff just like, I'm just amazed. I had the same experience the other day. I mean, totally kind of unrelated in a sense, but how the brain just stores information, you know, it stores like little tidbits just all the time. You know, I, I remember I learned one time that DNA, so get this, DNA has the ability to hold something like 700 terabytes of memory per gram of DNA that, that we can apparently encode information. So now you think about that, like, okay, we're giant computers, man. We're constantly taking in information, memory, like that's, it's not just inert. It's being used for something. We just don't know what it's for. And I find this is, this is going to relate to what we're talking about, but you know, we're talking about vision and finding, you know, finding your purpose, acting on your purpose, all that conversation. But a lot of times we go through life and we have these experiences like what you just said, your, your high school yearbook quote. And it's, and it's kind of just like there, you know, like it's, it's there in your brain and then you kind of forget about it, but then something snaps and actualizes it. And then all those little pieces that we got along the way, suddenly they, you know, there's this concept in, uh, in nature called emergence or, you know, spontaneous, basically that in nature, there's this, 
spontaneous eruption of order. You see it in ants and flocks of birds. Out of nowhere, suddenly things reach a very high level of order and organization. And before that, you couldn't tell that things were going to do that. There were so many moving parts that suddenly they, they create something. So same thing with the stuff that we learn. And it's like I feel like all these things, you know, we're on a path again. We're on a path all the time, right? So mm-hmm. we all have a life purpose. And all these little things that happen to us, it just takes that one motivational firewood, right? That little spark to actualize everything suddenly. And then you're like, oh, that's what all this stuff was for. I realized what all these experiences, you know, initially were unrelated, quote unquote. Mm. Um, But now I see the purpose. I see that that guiding reason that was there. Yeah. It's like the old uh, connected dots. Yeah. You know, with all the numbers all over the place, it's like, okay, I got this dot, this dot, this dot, this dot. And all of a sudden there's that moment where you go, that's what the picture is. Hmm. And it, it just, it reveals itself. But until then we're just filling in dots or we're just putting stuff on our shelves. And all of yeah. a sudden you realize all these things can actually work together and, hmm. and, and make something or, you know, the light goes off in your head oh, right. I met this person back here. I learned this here, this, this morning. I hadn't thought of that yearbook quote in decades. <laughs> and here we are. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. There's and something if it's ever, there. ever changing the road you're on, believe me, my life has done it. <laughs> so it's kind of a prophetic quote in a way. Yeah. You've had, you've had quite the life, man. So you did, uh, you did radio for, for how long? Was it like 12 years or something? I was on the radio for 10 years, yeah. 10 years, yeah. I worked 15 years worth of hours and just burnt myself. Into oh, yeah. The I bet. <laughs> just exhausted. Yeah. What was it for you? I mean, you, you know, let's, let's talk about that because you have had a very varied life. You know, you did the radio, you did the stand-up comedy, you did motivational speaking, author, you did a lot of really cool stuff. So, you know, and I, I can relate to that too, especially since we're talking about vision. You know, you have two... Let's say you got two kinds of people. I mean, there's a lot more kinds of people, but let's just say if we were to break it down into two kinds of people, you have the kinds that's like, let's say they're doing so much stuff that it's like, wait a minute, how does all this stuff relate, right? Then the other kind would be maybe, I don't even know where to start. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing a lot of stuff. I'm just kind of going with it. I'm not inspired or whatever, you know? So you got those two extremes in that sense. So Mm -hmm. in this case, I can relate to you as well. I've done so many things and a big part of, my journey in the last two years, especially with everything I'm doing was kind of like, okay, how, what relates to what, how does all, how does this all kind of go to one thing? So for you, you know, going back to that whole idea of, okay, all these things are seemingly unrelated, but then that one thing kind of snaps it all together. So what was, what was it for you? Or was it like a series of little breakthroughs that kind of helped you find your path, articulate your vision, you know, kind of walk that that line or was it one moment was like, Oh, I got it now. Like, you know what, this is, this is what it is. It's actually been a series of conversations, Mm -hmm. which get me to trigger things. You know, if I, if I sit here alone, I may just think forever and not take an action. But when I, when I connect with somebody in a conversation or uh, interpersonal, you know, actions where paths cross, or I see somebody living an example. Uh, the reason I got into radio was when I was about eight years old, there's a TV show called WKRP in Cincinnati. I got a few years on you. I know. Came on and I saw this guy named Dr. Johnny Fever and he wore sunglasses indoors, jeans and t-shirts, had scraggly hair, didn't shave and played rock and roll records. And cool. at eight years old, I said, I want to do that. <laughs> 
And for years, anytime we had a party or anything, I was always doing the music, doing the music. I knew, I learned everything I could about music and bands and songs. And I had this friend named Danny who kept asking me when I was 22 years old, 23 years old, broken, depressed, living on my grandfather's couch, having graduated college, summa come this close, which was always my dad's favorite joke, <laughs> uh, with a business degree, but didn't know what I wanted to do. I had this friend who asked me, why didn't you ever pursue being on the radio? Because you're always mm -hmm. excited and happy talking about it. You always do the music. You know more about music than any of our friends. So I borrowed $4,000 from my grandfather in the summer of 92 and went to broadcast school and was gone all summer, lived down in Boston. And in the fall, after I graduated from broadcast school, I got an internship, which is no money, at a radio station that we had grown up listening to. And I drove down to Danny's house. He hadn't seen him all summer. And he goes, where have you been? I said, down in Boston going to broadcast school. And I just got an internship at WCGY. And he was so happy and he was so proud. And three weeks after that conversation, he passed away. He was 23 oh, wow. years old. And it took all 10 years of radio. But at the very end of my radio career, I'd already decided I was going to leave because I was just fried. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting on the edge of a stage, having just introduced a band in front of 15,000 people, and the band were friends of ours. And I'm sitting on the edge of the stage, looking up at the fireworks after the concert, and I just, I thought of Danny, and I said, man, can you believe this? Mm -hmm. I said, this happened because you believed in me, and thank mm -hmm. you. I had tears coming down my face and everything. And it just struck me that the lesson is when, when you're not quite sure what to do, and somebody believes in you before you do, and offers you that little nudge suggestion, you should listen to those people. And mm. just a few years after that, I was hitting golf balls in a thunderstorm barefoot in the wet grass, daring God to hit me at a little driving range near my home. And he didn't, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I hit all my golf balls and every ball was something I was mad at and frustrated about in my life. Mm. And then two guys that were near me ran from the storm and left their buckets. So I spent over an hour till I couldn't lift my arm hitting golf balls in a thunderstorm under power lines, barefoot in the wet grass, got to my car when I was done and the sun came out and I just started laughing. Wow. The next day I shared that experience with a brand new life coach I just started working with. And he said, I have two questions for you. Are you this open and honest about your life with everybody? And I said, yeah. You ever thought of being a stand-up comedian or a motivational speaker? And I said, actually both. And mm -hmm. A week later, he said, oh, I got this flyer in the mail about an uh, intro to comedy class. You want to go? <laughs> it just, it, he says, I think you'd be great at it. And I did stand up for seven years and I've been speaking now for about 15 years. Wow. But it's it just a conversation, you know, a wanna. Little tilts, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like hmm. pinball. You, the ball goes this way and it bounces a different way. And sometimes it sits there and bounces a lot as you're learning, but then it goes in this other direction very quickly. And you score more points. Yeah, and you know, I think it, with every, I think you're you're very right about it. With with every conversation, you know, every person in our life is kind of like a piece of the puzzle, and they each have a little a little bit of information to give us, or a lot, you know, whatever it is. But they they alter that trajectory a little bit. And I think our willingness to have meaningful conversations with people and to, to also listen and to kind of contribute to one another. That's really the key that kind of keeps that pinball moving, moving because we, we only understand ourselves through reflection, right? I mean, through like understanding how we relate to the world. 
mm-hmm. don't exist in a vacuum. So to find your vision or to find your purpose, you have to be willing to kind of see how do you relate to other people. That happens through conversations, you know, I guess spending some time on your own too. Like what do you do? You know, obviously you're, you're kind of far along the path in that sense, but we're all continually, you know, evolving and articulating our, our vision. So what are some habits that you feel have helped you a lot in terms of continuing to basically, you know, hone in on that vision, I guess? Mm-hmm. Uh, there were two actually, and one of them is a result of seeing a speaker friend of mine uh, actually mm-hmm. attending an event, which is rare mm-hmm. because I, I'm just so used to being the guy on stage and I, he invited me to see this presentation and he said, how many of you get up every day and think of something you're grateful for? Mm-hmm. And a couple of people raised their hands and he asked, you know, what are they? And they said, oh, you know, my health, my family, my job. And he says, okay, what are you going to be grateful for tomorrow? And they said, my health, my family, my job. <laughs> he goes, what if you were to challenge yourself every day to come up with just one thing different that you're grateful for? And what I did was uh, came home for, for about seven or eight years now. I have to start off uh, at least five times a week. I'll write down my three favorite moments from the previous day. And it mm. could be insignificant thing that made me laugh or I did something for someone or someone did something for me or my wife Tina and I cooked a really delicious meal together. Whatever it is, I challenge myself to write down three. And a lot of people have said, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. So I did a live video one day. It took me 38 seconds to write down three things. Oh yeah. I mean, so we got time for gratitude. <laughs> you know, if you got time to tie your shoes wrong a couple times. You get time to be grateful. If you think about how, how much time we spend on being upset about stuff. I mean, even for me, like if I'm really upset about something, I, I try to set it like a two minute rule. You know, it's like, okay, I'm not going to, just not going to, you know, I'm going to let it out a little bit, but do more than two minutes, that's it. But even that, sometimes it's hard. So if you think about the little time it takes you to be grateful, you know, to, to kind of enumerate the things that you're you're happy about. That's nothing, but it's, it's so hard. You know, why do you think, why do you think it's so hard for people to, to do that? You know, to basically be specific. Cause I, you know, a lot of the gratitude stuff that I talk about too, one of the big things is being specific, you mm-hmm. know, the more specific you are, and this could apply to being, you know, on top of your vision, you know, connecting to your reason, to your why, your life purpose, all that stuff. Really, I think one of the, the key parallels in all of it is the ability to be specific, which, which is a, a reflection of how much mental attention and consciousness are you investing in that moment mm. you know, to be specific. You know, with your vision, you got to articulate specifically what is it, you know, the, the more specific you are, the more clear you are where you're going, right? So what yeah. do you think is, why is that so hard for people to, to be specific? <laughs> I think it scares a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think those people who actually do commit to things like, you know, resolutions mm-hmm. at the beginning of each year, they write down, you know, I want to be happy. I want to be healthy. I want more money. There's nothing specific there. So I don't think there's anything to be emotionally connected to. And I think you need to connect your emotions to mm-hmm. what you're grateful for, what you're writing, whatever. Those same people, if they even bother to write resolutions, are the same ones at the end of the year. They're cleaning the house for the holidays. Mm-hmm. And they see this little folded piece of paper keeping the lamp from rocking. And it's got salsa stains on it and the pizza guy's number mm-hmm. scribbled. <laughs> they go, I wonder what this is. They take it out and they go, oh, no. These are my resolutions. Oh, yeah. And it's Christmas. 
And so what changes at the end of the year? The date. They just change the year and they say, <laughs> this year I'll be happier, healthier. I, I, I think if you're more specific, if, if you're, and I'm a big vision guy, if you see mm-hmm. exactly where you want to be, what it looks like, feels like, sounds like, smells like, is like, you stand a much better chance because you're emotionally connected to it. And the more mm-hmm. emotions and memories and gratitudes and steps, uh, you can connect with it the more real it gets and the more you're able to actually chart your progress. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned it earlier, when we feel like we're, we're going, 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 but not getting anywhere because we're not actually gauging how much we've actually done. So many people quit. Just uh, what's, the, what's the book? Three Feet from Gold. That's true. It's a very, very great book, great story, but it's all about a guy who kept going, going, going and just went, okay, that's it. I'm not getting I'll never get there. (laughs) Yeah. And and he was literally three feet from a vein of gold digging. It's so funny. You know, there's this chart. I'm sure you can relate to it of um, the life of an entrepreneur. And it's, and it's like, it's all that, over the place. Isn't it's, it? all, it's like, you know, it goes up. It's like, Oh my God, I'm going to be rich. And then the other's like, Oh my, I'm going to quit. You know? Oh yeah. And they're not that far apart. They're not I mean, that far had, apart. Sometimes in the same day, you're like, this is great. Oh my God. What am you I have doing? To continually. Yeah. Continually remind yourself, you know, being specific. And it's, I like how you said, you know, being able to measure your progress too, because, mm. you know, like, for example, one thing I do with my, my students, the one that I teach, you know, privately one-on-one physically with the uh, dancing and competing and things like that. You know, we, we put a lot of these elements in there as far as vision and planning your goals and, and benchmarks and stuff. And one of the things that I've found very useful, uh, especially man to manage failure, because look, failure is not a problem until you don't act on it. And in order to do that, one of the things I have them do before any event that they participate in, especially with, you know, in this particular case, but I think this relates to life. Look, I mean, dancing to me, what I do is very subjective. It's not a, there's no finish line, but you know what? Life is the same way. There's no finish line in life. You, you have to set your own finish line. So in this sense, I can, I think it relates. And so what I was going to say is we set benchmarks for before the event. So I say, okay, if you're going to this competition, this event, whatever, I want you to come up with at least three qualitative benchmarks and three quantitative benchmarks that will determine you know, if you got what you wanted out of this event. So qualitative could be, okay, I had fun or I met somebody new or I felt good in my, you know, costume or dress, whatever else. Quantitative could be, I did a full round of dances without passing out. You know, there's things I can measure other than just the default of, oh, you got first place or whatever. And, you know, you could take this, I think, this idea into other areas in your life. You don't have to be a dancer or anything, but you can take it into, for example, you know, I'll give you an example with the podcast. You know, we're always checking our downloads. We're always checking our downloads or whatever your income and your sales fund or whatever else. Any kind of barometric measurement in your life, don't let that be the only default, right? So I like how you said about measurements. What in your own experience or even the way you do things, you know, what what are some of the things that tools that you use to measure and to continually not let your mind get sidetracked, you know, by the details, by the default measurements of life. Let's put it that way. Cause those things are never going to be necessarily um, painting the accurate picture, especially when we're talking about vision and where you're going. The, the, the short-term changes are not something to spin your mind on. So how do you, how do you get your mind back to center? How do you help people? What do you tell people as far as 
measuring and kind of come back, coming back to that. One of the things I've always loved is anytime you see a, a, an association organization trying to raise funds in their community, they have those gigantic thermometers like down and either in front of the business oh, yeah, yeah. Or in the the center of town. We're this close and they keep filling in the little increments. Yep. And actually one of my favorite stories and, and the reason I thought of this is because I spoke with this vision board coaching client earlier today is I try to come up with a measurable system that's going to be connected to the goal, not just a thermometer or not just a tally. Uh, one of my vision board clients is she just turned 32 years old. And for the past five or six years, one of her life goals is to go to Africa on a safari. Wow. Figured out how much money, you know, when she first said it, I said, great, how much is it going to cost? And she said, I don't know. So I told her, talk to your travel agent. Well, she said she had to come up with about uh, $10,000. Mm-hmm. So, and this was uh, in early 2018. So I said, okay, over the course of how many years? She goes, two years, 5,000 per year. I said, okay. Went online and I found a coloring book with a picture of a giraffe and it had 12 spots on it. Oh, cool. So I, I copied it. I put her name and her fiance's name in two of the spots and all the other spots I wrote 500, 500, 500, 500 and <laughs> created a hashtag that I called Giraffrica for oh, her. That's great. And I sent it to her. I said, here's your tracking system because A, it's a giraffe, which you want to see in Africa. Yeah. It has just the right number of spots that you can do manageable increments. And I said, every time you are able to save $500, I want a picture of you coloring in one of these spots. So she took that and ran with it. She That's actually awesome. Facebook lives the coloring in of her giraffrica updates. And now as a coach, I'm emotionally invested in her success as well. Yeah. I catch as many of the live broadcasts as possible. I'm here jumping up and down, laughing, crying sometimes and cheering her on because we've got this amazing way to keep track that's so tied to her goal. Yeah. That she beautiful. can't wait to go write it down. And we're, you know, so many people, especially creative types are so terrible about tracking and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, keeping track of things. We're just on to the next, on to the next. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually coaching her has taught me a lot about how to keep track of my success and to, to structure my goals in such a way that I can follow my progress better than I used to of just looking at downloads yeah. or just looking at how many people were at an audience or book sales or whatever. It's things, it's experiences. Yeah. You know, it's really tuned into that inner child. I, I love that, that whole giraffe story. That's great. I, I think we, we get so caught up in, our left analytical brains of, like you said, the thermometer, right? I mean, it's pretty much, okay, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, we, we're now at 25,000 versus they're like, who cares? You're like, there's no emotional connection to right. that goal, especially when we're talking about that motivational firewood, that, that, that burning, continual burning uh, that, that will keep you towards that vision, which is a long-term thing. And again, it's easy to get disconnected on the way there. Uh, mm. having some emotional connection as to why you, why you do what you do is so important. Yeah. I think vi- the why is everything. It's everything. It can't, a vision cannot be logical. It's gotta be something from the heart, something emotional, uh, spiritual, something that is like, man, I have to do this. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. the why is it's like the gas in your tank. Yeah. You know, as long as you still got gas in your tank, you can drive over a pebble. You can bust through a Jersey barrier. You can knock boulders aside. Otherwise, if you don't know why, if something, if you just have a goal because, well, it sounds cool, the first sign of adversity, you're done. 
you're, you're going to be what I, if you've ever seen the YouTube video of a, a cat wearing a shark costume, sitting on a Roomba. <laughs> now the cat doesn't move. It just that goes. Sounds great. I haven't seen him, but uh, oh, look it up. There's a few of them out there and it just goes and the cat just, it bumps a wall and then it turns and it just goes somewhere else. I mean, the cat's not even steering it. That's hilarious. Just, you know, if you're living life as a Roomba, you're just going to keep bouncing off things. But mm -hmm. if you're a Roomba with your, knowing your why, you just got to keep banging on that wall until you bust through and clean the next room. You know, and it's so true. I think people these days, gosh, especially this opens up a whole conversation, but I mean, especially with social media and how things are being portrayed and it's like our measurements for what are you going to do with your life? What's my life purpose? What should I be after? You know, feeding us. It's so, in my opinion, externally focused backwards. It's not about the heart. You know, it's most of the time it's some sort of material superficial goal. How do people, how do people disconnect from that constant message from how do they, how do they, stop the momentum, you know, because by default life and education and school, I mean, it's, I think it's changing. Education is definitely going to be different in another five, 10 years, especially with all the online stuff going on. But still, you know, there's this indoctrination by pop culture that is by default present. Mm. So how do, how do people disconnect from that and, and kind of connect to their own who are, who am I, you know, like, well, I used to, I played the piano for like 30 years almost. And, one thing I just remember random facts, but one of them was about Beethoven and how when he wanted to compose something, he would literally lock himself up for like a month because he didn't want to hear anybody else's music because he wanted that that music to be totally authentic, right? I mean, coming from zero. So now we'd look at life purpose, vision, and society and imposing constantly different things that they want you to be and do and act. How, how do you disconnect from that? How do you find yourself in all that noise? Well, every, you know, I say everybody, many people in my industry, I, I got to stop saying everybody, many people in my industry put out their videos, their webinars, all these different things. And what do they picture? They picture themselves inside of a mansion with a Lamborghini yep. in the driveway and a yacht <laughs> moored right off the back because you're on the coast. What a lot of people don't realize is that many of those are rented. Oh, yeah. For the express purpose of making those videos. But we buy into it because these people are defining what success is supposed to look like. And it, it's funny that you mentioned Beethoven because I do love that. I remember hearing that story before. There's something very similar in the Vision Board program that I created. And it's one full chapter. And it's called Pen, Paper, Heart, and Mind. And I think mm. those are the four most powerful tools. Is to go somewhere leave your technology in the car at home, wherever you go. I like to go to the beach. We live about an hour and a quarter from the seacoast. And there's this one specific spot on the beach where at low tide, there's rocks on either side of you. And as the tide comes in, you've got waves on rocks in stereo. Wow. That's here. cool. I will sit there until the tide is ready to take me away. And I will just write, what am I happy about in my life right now? What do I wish was different in my life right now? What would make me happy? What is, and this is the case before I, I met my wife, Tina, or reconnected with the woman who became my wife, what type of relationship would I like to be in? What kind mm -hmm. of car would I like to drive? Where would I like to live? Who do I want to hang with? Who are the people that inspire me? Who are my heroes? And I would just dig and dig and dig and dig. And those became the seeds of my next round of goals. 
Hmm. And I've, you know, pen, paper, heart, and mind. Everybody's got access to them. I love that. I love that pen, paper, heart, and mind. I have a, I have a notebook that I, where is it actually? Well, this is going to be in the video, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like. See, we never know where these things take, you know, where the conversations go. Constantly. I, it's yeah. two things. I got a, I got a pen that's like a gel ballpoint pen. That's super like juicy to write with, yep. which motivates me to write with. And then I have a juicy fat red Sharpie marker. So I can <laughs> get nice. as much dopamine <laughs> as I can yeah. from yeah. crossing that out. And it's been such a blessing because I'll tell you, when I look at my phone, you know, we talk about vision and staying on top of yourself and motivating yourself and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, when you look at your phone and you have notes in there, I don't connect to that. I mean, it's my, my logical brain that's there and it's, I'm buzzing around trying to keep track of it. But when I have it in my notebook and I physically write it down, physically cross it off, there's some physical interaction. There's just something magical that happens. And of course, I mean, you need a phone. I'm not gonna have a notebook with me all the time. The phone <laughs> has some usefulness to it. Obviously, you can, yeah. you know, they have the internet. But, yeah. um, but I think having that physical component, man, I am jealous. I, I wish I had that little coast thing that you got over there, man. An hour oh, away. That's it's we're we're in southern New Hampshire is where I live. We're about an hour from anything you could need. We've got the mountains. We've got what's called the lakes region of New Hampshire, which is gorgeous. We have the seacoast. Mm. And if you want a big city, Boston is about an hour and a half, uh, hour and a quarter south of us. And we just live in a house uh, on a dead end street off another dead end street, kind of out in the woods in a small town in New Hampshire. That's awesome. And I love it here. You know, I think you brought up uh, something that to me is very, very important as far as a vision. And I can relate to what you said at the very beginning of the interview, which is in the sense that it was uh, your process has been a series of these breakthroughs, you know, a series of these little adjustments and, and constant things. And, what, and for me, it's been the same way. And one thing that ties into what we just talked about is this idea of self-reflection. You know, there's so much momentum and continual you know, different directions that are put upon our minds. There's this saying that I often say in a lot of stuff I talk about, which is create or be created, right? I mean, pretty much you are either generating or creating or, you know, contributing to this symphony of, of the universe uh, or you're being created by it. And, you know, that's, that's a dance. Obviously, those, both of those things are happening. But if you aren't participating, if you aren't doing anything, that raft is going to move by the default direction on the river. And it's your job if you want to get somewhere cool and explore some new territory to, to, to alter. The, the river's still flowing. You're not going to change that. But you can alter the direction a little bit and, and kind of contribute to your direction. And I think a big part of that is spending quiet time. You know, I can tell you some of my biggest life lessons and different things. I've been just taking a walk around outside the neighborhood, going by the park, sitting in the jacuzzi at night by myself, like just spending quiet time uh, to, to let the mind stop. We get so, we get so wrapped up, don't we, on these little, little tiny squiggles that happen on the way there. And yeah, we get, and we get, <laughs> I'm guilty of it as well with technology. You know, oh, I, yeah. I slow down at night after dinner and I'm like, well, I should just check Facebook one more time. Oh, and it's terrible. The TV's 20 going. minutes later. You're like, uh, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. 
It's, yeah, it, uh, it, it even happened last night, and I finally just had to shut it off. Somebody said or did something on one of my threads, which I disagreed with. And <laughs> I'm like, I can spend the next three hours fighting. Oh, with you're going to, yeah. a real argument because we don't even know each other. Right. Or I can just shut the phone off, relax, get back to being me because I'm going to say or do something that doesn't maybe coincide with my values or my goals uh, if this person continues to, you know, hit nerves. And I said, I just want to wake up tomorrow morning and be me again and deal with it then as an adult. And that's what I wound up doing. Isn't it funny how it just, even because I can relate to, I mean, especially with content you put out there, so that's meaningful for you, especially, okay, we're talking about vision. Let's say you, you're on the path towards your vision. You finally found that thing that's so important to you that your heart strings, and then you put something out there and somebody, somebody hates on it. It's like, yeah. You know, somebody you've never seen and probably will never see, you know, it gets us so emotionally wound up. It's like, this is another thing too, because I guess you could say there's many stages to this whole vision process. The first part is what we just talked about, which is kind of, okay, finding that path, you know, and then the second part would be once you start walking on the path to make sure you can keep walking, that you don't get sidetracked and start walking all the way to the left or right or diagonal backwards, whatever, uh, just because of something that happened, you know, how much time and energy we waste on all these things, interpersonal mm -hmm. things, or even the internet, like somebody, like you said, makes a comment on your thing and then you get distracted. I mean, do you have any rules about how you, uh, like, do you have any life rules? Like, here's my question, basically, like, mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, how low our life is going to go is determined by our life rules. Like if I'm a, if I'm upset about some, okay, I'm not going to spend more than two minutes on this, or I'm not going to eat after a certain amount of time in the day. Do you have any life rules in place to, that are like little barometers, like up, oh, you know what, in any area, not just maybe internet situations, but any life rules that are important to you towards maintaining your vision? Like, you know where the path is, just mm -hmm. like a road has, you know, markers on it. Or like when you're driving on interstate, it's got those little grooves to wake you up if you're falling asleep, you know? So to me, if you're, if now if we use this metaphor, if that's your life path, then the grooves represent like, hey, that's your own internal rules about life. Because if you don't have those, then your car is going to drift off if you fall asleep or whatever else, right? Squirrel. So what, do you have any, <laughs> I heard what, somebody I interviewed, uh, and then I stole this from them. They said, I have a ADOS, attention deficit, oh, squirrel. <laughs> it's, it's real. Believe it's me. real. Yeah, no, it's crazy. But do you have any life rules? I mean, do you have I any that, that kind of keep you on your vision? And yeah. Where are they? Um, I, I, I talk a lot and I tell stories. And I, I use a lot of metaphors about climbing a mountain. You know, your goal is the top of the mountain yeah. and you start off at the bottom and you're, you're walking up. Very rarely do you see a path on a mountain that's a straight line. It doesn't go straight up. It zigzags here and there. And what I found in hiking in the mountains of New Hampshire is the higher you climb, the cooler the people you meet because mm -hmm. they're either, you know, just ahead of you and they'll wait for you or they'll stick an arm out and help you up to the next rock or whatever. Or they'll tell you, hey, I was already up top today. When you get there, make sure you go to the left because it's the best view. Like these are the people I find climbing. The people I try to avoid are the people who make everything a drag. And, and literally they are, they're trying to drag you down. Like, why do you want to do this? Why are you hiking? Mm. Why is that your goal? Why is, I, I speak at a college uh, where adults are going back to school to get their lives to a better 
place. Maybe they've made decisions that they want to improve their lot in life and be, you know, provide better for their family. So they go back to school and I ask them, how many people, how many of you have people in your lives who complain that you went back to school? Most of the hands go up. And I said, how often is it a family member or a close friend? Many hands still stay up. I said, how many of them said, oh, you think you're better than us now? And some hands always stay up. And wow. I said, these are the people you need to stop investing your emotions in. Maybe you got to live under the same roof, work in the same office with them, whatever. But you've got to stop letting them drag you back down the mountain. I said, you want to get up to the top of the mountain because A, the higher you go, the better the view. And B, you want to celebrate when you make it. And the more cool people you can celebrate with, the better. I said, there are people who are going to drag you down to the parking lot and the porta potties because that's where they're happy. Hmm. So be very careful to not spend a lot of your time around people who are just going to drag you down. And I always tell people, I said, one of the greatest weapons in this fight is caller ID. So next time your phone rings, I don't even want you to look at it. Go hold it up in a mirror. When you see who it is, if your face goes like this, answer it. If you look and you go, oh. don't answer. That's it. why voicemail was invented. <laughs> and, and they laugh, but it's true. It's true. No, it's true. You know? And then some people will say, well, I'm the only one they trust. I'm like, no, you're the only one who still answers the phone. Hmm. These people know they can, they can just drag you down and, and there are great people out there who are maybe going through some tough times. I get it. But when the same person's calling you every single day, complaining about something new every day, I don't want to be around that person anymore. And I recently cut my phone list of contacts in half. Yeah. I was in a parking lot in between meetings, had a little time to kill. And I said, well, I'll hop on the phone, make somebody laugh. And I scrolled through. I go, don't want to talk to this person. Don't want to talk to this person. Don't want to talk to this person. I literally cut my contacts in half. And it was the most freeing thing I've, I've ever done. There's an energetic thing to that too, I believe. Because like when you, it's all about learning to say yes and no. And where do we say yes? Where do we say no? You know, if I have a list of a thousand people, it's not just information on a screen. You're energetically connected to those people. And whether you want to believe that or not, we're, you know, quantum entanglement, we're all connected. And if I have like, let's say, like you said, half of those people, I don't even want to like, just thinking of them, let's say bothers you or gives you like some sort of reaction, then that means that that information is plugged into your body by being there in your phone. You have said yes to it. And that's affecting your performance, your energy, your inspiration, your creativity, the thoughts you think. I, I believe that. Mm. Uh, so there, there's a constant pruning. You know, I think as you, there's this thing that just came to me, guys, like two things I want to tell you. Like <laughs> your uh, story about talking to people at, at the college, I don't remember where I heard this, but apparently in Alaska, when they go fishing or something like that, there's these kind of crabs. I forget what kind of crab they are. And they put them in a bucket. And basically, these giant, these giant buckets. So the, the crabs are all in there. And if one of the crabs tries to escape, the other ones will actually drag it back. Yes, yes. And that's true. It really is. Isn't yeah. that freaking crazy? I'm like, if if yeah. if that happens to a crab, who are we to say that we're some superior? I mean, come on, you know. So, uh, you know that. But it's you know, with with finding your path in life, I think a part of it is you know, part of it is the creative side that we're talking about, which is like, okay, let me look at how my experiences 
you know, have given me the ability to, to contribute or what do I want to do? What am I passionate about? All that side of creative stuff, right? But there's also another side of it, which is the, the healthy boundaries and the pruning and the saying no to, to the relationships and the activities you won't be part of and that kind of thing. There's sort of the what you don't do. Mm-hmm. Right. I would say that's equally as important, right? For, for oh, yeah. creating a vision and, and maintaining your vision. Yeah. Two of the very most important words in the English language are honor yourself. Mm. It, it doesn't make you selfish. And any of the people I'm talking about that took out of my phone, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It yeah. just means the energy we share whenever we communicate invariably goes down a path of them complaining over and over. Yeah, they're diffusers. They're not enhancers to what you're yeah. doing. They, they diffuse yeah. it in some way. They, they kind of take the joy out of a lot of conversations. And mm-hmm. when you've given the same advice to somebody 10 times in a row and they're still complaining, but they refuse to take any action to do anything about it, I'm sorry, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I, I get physically tired when I talk to people in Jack Canfield, co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul series. He calls them psychic vampires and they can walk in a oh, room yeah. And, and just drain the energy, or it's what he calls the ain't it awful club that hangs out at the bar. You know, one guy complains and somebody else goes, you think you got it bad. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're all swirling. Sounds like a skit. The drain. Uh, but it's of, true. It's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I prefer to walk into a place and plug into the energy. And if I could bring up the vibration yeah. by just being genuinely me. Great, because we never know what other people are dealing with in their lives. So I like to walk into a situation and make somebody laugh, especially if it's a stranger, and just make their day better. And it's so easy to do if you keep your eyes just looking and listening for opportunities. And when, you know, I'm a fast paced, creative individual. I spend most of my time working from home in the recording studio if I'm not on stage somewhere. After a day and a half without human contact, I get a little wonky. Oh yeah, for sure. And a little down and just, just in a funk. And somebody asked me, how do you get out of that? I said, well, I drive five miles into town and I commit an act of kindness or two mm. or 10, however many it takes for me to recharge. Yeah. And what happens often, I go home with an idea for a radio show, a video, an article from it. Yeah. You get re-inspired. Yeah. Just by plugging in. I mean, this conversation, it's effortless, which is the ultimate, that, that is the highest praise I give to anybody have a conversation with. It is effortless. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great conversation. You know, I think you brought up something, another important thing. Gosh, all this stuff, I love this stuff because vision is so important, man. It's like, especially in today, we have so many distractions and so many ways to go by the wayside. side. And to me, it's like a, it's a blessing and a curse because on one side you have all this technology, all this tools to basically actualize yourself and to contribute and to make money contributing in, in so many cool ways. But, you know, it's like everything's a double-edged blade, you know. So with that same level of access, we have so many opportunities to get distracted, binge watch, sit there doing nothing with our life. You know, it's, so it's like it's double-edged blades. That's why I think this conversation is so, so important. Um, but you you brought me to this idea of of again when you know your path you also know where it's not right mm-hmm. yep. so the clearer you are about who you are what you're doing you also know what is not on that path right it's when we yeah. don't define it that yep. we that we're not basically on it now the other thing too is i think we mentioned about the the effortlessness too. You brought up another idea, which is this idea that this has been something recently in my life too that I've, I've been really thinking about. But 
if you look at, I'm going to kind of veer off a little bit on some science because I'm a geek when it comes to like quantum physics stuff. But <laughs> that's fine. So if you look at everything in nature, it has this energetic signature, which is called the torus, which is like this donut kind of shape. You look at the magnetic field of the heart, magnetic field of the earth. You look at an apple, you look at a tree. It's all the same pattern. Mm-hmm. It's this energy little explosion that's infinite. It just keeps going whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And it's kind of up and down. So in that sense, when you look at that around, every morning I try to go outside to connect to that idea, to connect to nature, to remind myself that life is not this like, oh, type of thing, but it's this ever expanding, limitless flow, constant. There is no limit. It's just constant. It's our brains that shrink and feel shortage and scarcity and all this kind of stuff. So one thing that you, you brought up is that ultimately we don't have to do anything. To, to, we just have to realign ourselves so that that natural flow can come through. You know, like when you go out and let's say, you know, after a long day of being burned out, I can relate to that too. For me, it's going outside riding my bike and I come back, I'm like, ooh, boom, suddenly I'm inspired again. Like a lot of times I think when we're pursuing a vision and don't get me wrong, or um, tell me if you can relate to this. Um, when we pursue a vision, a lot of times we feel like, God, what's that next thing? Like, what am I going to, you know, you're trying to be creative. And in reality, you don't need to try to be creative. You just need to fix the misalignments going on, whether you're burned out, whether you need recovery, whether you are thinking too hard. You know, there's some misalignment, whether you're hanging on to something, you haven't forgiven somebody, or you have some interpersonal drama, some internal misalignment that is preventing that natural flow, that natural default flow that creation is constantly happening. Uh, from happening through you, right? Mm-hmm. So th- through, it's preventing your path through expressing itself through you. Let's put it that way. Like your path is there. It's just up to you whether you want to allow it to express itself through you, right? Because we, we get distracted. We, like you said, we're afraid. You know, we, we get, uh, you know, ashamed or whatever else, you know, all these negative emotions that, that misalign us and cut off that flow from expressing our vision. Mm. And it happens a lot. I, I was on a coaching call with somebody this morning and she's stuck. She she kind of knows where she wants to be, but there's some things holding her up. She doesn't know what to decide. And she doesn't yet have the knowledge of the skill set to weigh out both options. So she is mm. stuck. And I said, well, here's how I overcome that. Because I get stuck a lot. I've, I've been stuck many times over the years. Oh, yeah, for and sure. You, just, you, you sit there and gather dust. It's, it's almost like you're sitting there in neutral and you know, you're still running out of gas, but you're not yeah. getting anywhere. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I like that. You've got to be willing to start letting, inviting the right people into your circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, about 15 months ago, uh, a, a buddy of mine called and said, oh, hey, man, how's that you know, vision board program? It got released as a physical product about four years ago. It did pretty well. Mm-hmm. But I, so many people wanted it in digital format. And I, I spent a year trying to build a website. It was like CDs website. or something? or It was CDs at the time. Yeah, yeah it gotcha. did, it's so expensive to even create one oh, copy. Yeah. It was like $30 it cost me for a copy. <laughs> And running back and forth to Staples. And so I wanted it to be digital. And I spent about a year trying to build a website and membership and delivery and and just finally just imploded. Yeah. And it just died. And this this buddy of mine called me up, goes, Hey man, I haven't talked to you in forever. Hey, how's that vision board thing coming? I said, Well, dusty. (laughs) He goes, Well, what's the matter? He goes, Let's 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 hang on the phone and try to solve this. And I he says, Well, what are your roadblocks? And I said, Well, building building a website and digital delivery system. He goes, okay, that's Lonnie. What else? 
as crafting effective sales copy to take my creative brain and wrap it into needs and, and desires for people. He goes, okay, that's Jason. What else? I said, actually selling it. He goes, that's me and I'll help you. What else? Mm-hmm. We ran through every objection. And now for the past 15 months, I've been running with this group of people whom I was aware of, but hadn't invited, hadn't invested in mm-hmm. to be a part of my journey. And it took about a year's worth of consistent work. And it's now the greatest thing that I've ever been a part of hmm. because I had my vision, but again, I was spinning in neutral going, well, I don't know how to build a website. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. So I'm just sitting there looking around stuck. And all I had to do was reach out my hand to people who have those skills, who will be compatible with me because there's no shortage of people out there mm-hmm. who will separate you from your money and oh, build sure. your website. <laughs> but see, I have to be in alignment. And you mentioned that word earlier. And I love that when you said it, Yeah, in alignment with the people you're walking, you know, share at least part of a journey together. Maybe their desired outcome isn't the same as yours. Maybe you get near the top and they'll veer over for their view and you'll go for yours. Yeah. But you've got to be willing to, Admit to yourself, you can't do it all. No, and if for sure. part of your vision requires other people, then you do some research and you dig and you ask and you find out who the best of these other people are. And you hold your hand out and said, you know what? I need to walk with you for a bit. What do I need to do? You know what? And I, I, I think any vision, really, we're talking about vision. Any vision that's worthwhile is going to be something you can't accomplish on your own. Mm. And there's so many people out there who go, oh, I'm 100% self-made. Honestly, don't believe anybody. No, no. Because maybe you created the program. Maybe you created the delivery system. Maybe you're selling it. But somebody out there is investing the money into it. You may have created all the value. And I'm not going to take that away from anybody. Yeah, absolutely. But a bunch of people invested money for you to make that first million. So you had your audience, your clients, your customers, they're part of it. You're not 100% self-made. Maybe you're 98% self-made and everybody else bought it. Well, it's like, you know, in a vacuum. It's like like a chain. Yeah. Nobody's in a vacuum. We're all interdependent. You know, it's like, it's, I think that's a, that's a good point to talk about, especially with being a vision, especially here kind of in the Western world, we're so focused on that growth and independence and yeah, you know, self-made one man, you know, Duke Nukem, you know, cut type of thing. And it's, <laughs> I think it's like where, where we get off. I talk about this a lot, which is there's a duality always in everything between the obvious and the non-obvious. And especially in the world we live in today, I think that the danger is that we are growing more and more to look and put attention and respect and value only the obvious and not see the non-obvious. When you look at a tree, it doesn't occur to you that there's roots. You have to think about that. You have to pay attention. You have to listen. You have to see after listening to that, that it's that torus and it's a shape and it's a, you know, a little ball and things. It's not just a static picture. Like all that stuff takes listening and it's not obvious. And same thing with, the idea of like, I'm self-made, even if I'm like, okay, I, I did all this stuff myself. Like that's the obvious part, but you don't see all the non-obvious connections and little serendipities. And like you said, people and audience and that one job, if that job didn't happen, despite that it was only 1%, you wouldn't have like it, the weakest link in the chain, the chain wouldn't be a chain, even if it wasn't for the weakest link. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so in that sense, it's like in, from that perspective, every segment is equally important you know, in that sense. So mm-hmm. we, it gives us back, I think it brings us back to humility 
um, and remembering that everything is connected. When we're, yeah. Well, it, it's like the people you see running a race and they're elbowing the other people out of the way or tripping somebody. And at the end, they're jumping up, down, up and down saying, I won, I won. Well, no, you didn't. You know, it's say we're running up a mountain. This person's tripping other people, tell, pointing them down the wrong trail. And just so he or she can get to the top and celebrate and jump up and down and say, I won, I won. What did you right. really win? I would rather hang with as many cool people as possible. I'll go up the mountain together and I'll be able to share that first view when you hit the peak, whether it's a sunrise or a sunset, or in the case of a, a mountain I like to hike up here in New Hampshire, it overlooks, it's, it's called Mount Major, it overlooks Alton Bay of Lake Winnipesaukee, which is, it's like an oil painting. It is gorgeous. Wow. And I would rather get to the top and look at the person I climbed all the way up with, or even just part of the way together, and say, isn't that gorgeous? I'm so happy we get to enjoy this together. Because mm. if I don't see that person for 10 years, we run into each other, what's the first thing we're going to talk about? Remember that time we, we hit the top of Mount Major? Mm. And all of a sudden, through neural pathways, we get to experience those emotions again. Mm. I don't have to be there first. I just want to be there at whatever level of success and enjoy the people that I'm working with. Mm. Because there are plenty of people out there. You may as well find people you're going to dig working with. You know, that reminds me of this quote this is so profound that I often refer to when we talk about this kind of stuff like paths. It's that, and you could apply this to any relationship, but it says true love is not two people looking at each other, but two people looking outwards towards a common future. Mm-hmm. And I think you could say that about any, you know, good relationship or connection, which is basically, hey, are we looking at that sunset or am I looking at you trying to get your admiration that I won or, you know, in this case, whatever else, right? So, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's such a good quote about continually focus, shifting that focus to where it needs to be. Mm. Well, what's your, uh, let's talk a little bit about that vision board program. That's pretty exciting, man. I mean, that yeah. that's really cool. So that's been out for how long? The digital? Uh, the, the physical product came out about four years ago. Yeah. It's been a seven year process. Gotcha. And I, you know, owning a recording studio is a blessing and a curse. Because you have all the time in the world to get it perfect. <laughs> yeah. There are 12 versions of this program in my recording studio computer. And they're just slight variations in each, each one. Yeah. There are 12 versions. Uh, and they all have one thing in common. They have the word final in the file name. And 11 final times two, final three. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right through to final 12. <laughs> I know what that's and like. Every single time I would say, well, it's, it's good, but it's not quite there. Yeah. And then one day, a, a, again, a conversation with a friend, a nudge. I had a friend who went to a, uh, somebody who was internationally famous, had a law of attraction vision board event down in New Jersey, a whole weekend event. My friend came home and said, you know that event I went to, that person needs to hire you. I'm thinking Mm. that person doesn't even know I exist. Mm. And she said, you know how you talk about how important it is to know why you want everything you want on your vision board? I said, yeah. I said, that person's people never even mentioned it. That's Mm. why I like going to your events. And I looked at my program and it wasn't in there. Hmm. And a week later it was. And that was version 12. There you and go. that was the day I said, well, okay, if I do this, this part can't have happened yet. That goes here, that goes here. And I looked at it and I got goosebumps and went, that's it. And so it came out, it did pretty well, but I wanted it to be digital. I had a lot of requests for it to be digital. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of abandoned it. But now it is digital. Yeah, and essentially, exciting, it's 10 audio modules, all 10 added together are less than 75 minutes of audio. Sweet. It's, I hold your hand, we walk you this far, you do the work. Grab your hand again, we walk this far, you do the work. In 
when people have vision board parties, you know, wine, cheese, crackers, mm-hmm. blue sticks, wine and scissors, probably not a good combination anyway. Not a good idea. <laughs> it's more of an arts and crafts project. In my version, you don't even gather your pictures until module seven out of 10. Hmm. Everything else, pen, paper, heart, and mind is in there. Knowing your why is in there. Assessing where you are now, where you want to be in vivid detail is all there. And I think it's, for, for my money, it's the most easily accessible, actionable program I've ever seen. And so many people told me, well, you need to make it like a 12 CD set and a bonus 3D. Yeah, some giant thing. A 400-page book. And I'm going, I don't read 400-page books, so I'm not going to write a 400-page book. Yeah. As an, I, as a highly fast-paced creative, I need to give me some instruction, let me do the work, and then give me the next instruction. Mm-hmm. That's what I created. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm going to put a link for it. So it, people who are listening, there's going to be in the show notes for this episode, uh, a link to access Steve's awesome, awesome vision board program. That's really cool, man. I'm super excited. Yeah. Vision, again, Thank it's you. such an important thing. Such yeah. an important thing today. I, like I, we've been talking about, such a big deal. Yeah. And, and strike as many of your senses as you can with it. You know, some people just say, I want it to look like this. Well, what does it feel like? You know, in, in the case of a car, I asked a woman one time or I was at a live event, I said, who has a dream car they'd love to drive? And I saw this little hand stick up in the back of the room <laughs> and, and she stood up and she was all of about five foot nothing and, and curly white hair. And she says, well, I'm retiring this year and I want to get a Corvette. And everybody looked and like, wow, you know, they, she was this, you know, mild mannered. She wants to cruise around all summer in a Corvette. I said, great. What year? She is 74. Nice. What color? She said, bright orange. Oh boy. Hugger orange. That that was the Chevy color. She even knew the name. Hugger, Hugger orange. orange? Hugger orange. I said, what color is the interior? And she said, white. I said, cloth. She goes, honey, leather. Oh. And everyone's <laughs> looking at her. I wound up emailing her a picture. I found a 74 Corvette white, you know, convertible and sent her a picture of it. But everyone looked at her differently. I said, do you know what there's one for sale? She goes, yeah. I said, all right, who wants to take Barbara for out to lunch tomorrow and take a picture of her pose sitting in this Corvette. That's awesome. And so it hit every sense. And I said, yeah. how fast will you go? She goes, speed limits 55. I said, how fast will you go? She goes, 90. 90. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but it was such an experience because yeah. it was, it hit all the senses. She knew what it sounded like. I said, who's your favorite music you're going to play in, mm. in the stereo? She goes, Elvis. Great. And so hit everything. It's not just, I want a fast car. She wanted a 74 Hugger Orange Corvette convertible le- white leather interior so she could play Elvis. Yeah. And it's, she's sculpting it. You know, when you do that, I think it's so important because you're sculpting that future. Literally, you're sculpting that that destination. And the more specific you are, like you said, with how it feels, tastes, touch, you know, all those senses, yeah. uh, it becomes so real for you. And I, I truly believe that it's like that act of sculpting it and sculpting and sculpting it draws you towards that future inevitably. Mm. And it makes you aware of opportunities. It, it, it activates the reticular activating system. It, it's like when you mm. buy a car, all of a sudden you realize so many other people own this car. Now they were mm. already there. You just weren't aware. You weren't in tune. That's true. To it. And, and it happens with everything. If you want to write mm. a book, all of a sudden you're going to see and hear all these other people talking about writing a book and mm. Someone who knows an editor, someone who knows a cover design person. And you're going to just meet and connect with all these people. And you're going to wonder the first five, six, seven, 80 times, wow, that was lucky. And, it, and it's not luck. It's, it's just being in tune because you know what you want. 
Isn't that interesting? How we I totally forgot about the reticular activating system, but it's really how it it's like all these little serendipities that happen. It's like all the information's already there. It was just waiting to be activated. It was that little spark, you know, to, yeah. to get it going. Yeah. And those are the conversations I love to have with people. It, go to a networking event and people going, who are you? What do you do? And blah, blah, blah. I like to walk in and say, hey, who is your favorite person you solved the problem for this week? And it's like, oh, I got to think about that one. <laughs> answer and shift and they start talking and I go, so what's your favorite part of your job? And I asked that one time at an unemployment networking uh, group speech I was giving. And the first person I asked, I said, so what do you do? She goes, I've been in insurance for 25 years. I said, what do you love most about it? She goes, nothing. It sucks. <laughs> and I said, yeah. what would you rather be doing? And she throws her thumb over her shoulder. She goes, this is my neighbor. She lives you know, a couple of houses away. We want to start our own cupcake business. Oh, there you go. And they both just lit up. And I said, online or a storefront? She goes, oh, no, no, online for now. We have, you know, we can, we have, can cook, you know, here we have this place. And I said, okay, do me a favor, spin in your chairs. Cause I want to see, let everyone in the back of the room see how you just changed talking about something you're passionate about. Yeah. And I said, what would your sign look like? And she goes, well, I don't know, but my daughter's very creative graphically. I said, good. Have her design your sign. Hmm. And we just had this conversation that just made everything very, very real. And I tell people in those groups, what is your dream job? What is your dream company you want to work for? I said, do me a favor, create your own business card Hmm. with your dream title for your dream company. I said, but don't hand it out at networking events. This is just you. Don't commit that early. (laughs) Yeah. And some people raised their hand and said, boy, I came in here just saying, I want a job. But then it helped to narrow that field and listen for opportunities. And some of those notes that I get back, like the guy in the Captain Crunch aisle, one of them actually made my mom cry. I let her read the note of what somebody went and did. Hmm. She said, there was a company I was afraid to go apply for because I didn't think I was good enough. But I heard what you said. They were my dream company. So I inquired, went for an interview, got hired. That one made my mom cry. Yeah, that was that was a big story, man. That's I can't imagine that. So what a phenomenal experience, you know, to to draw you back to your why. Like, yes, you know, I, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on my path. I'm I'm doing what I need to be doing. It's it's the greatest. I mean, that was now five years ago since the Captain Crunch uh, story happened. Wow. And I I still and this is something I learned from a, a speaker named James Malinchek, and he he's a speaker and he also coaches a bunch of people on building their they're speaking business. And somebody at one of his boot camps in the recordings I invested in said, you know, I don't tell stories. I relive them. Mm. James said, repeat that near the microphone. He says, I don't Mm. tell stories. I relive them. So everything I share, whether it's on stage, writing an article, I'm emotionally connected because it makes, it, it increases the opportunity that magnetically something is going to come my way. Absolutely. Really paying attention. And that's, that's important for everything I do. I've, I've never, I, I've tried to never, ever, ever take anything for granted that happens to me in my speaking career or my mm-hmm. writing. Um, somebody recently reached out to me for an article I submitted to Success Profiles magazine for our mutual friend, Brian K. Wright. Yeah. And Brian sent me a message. He goes, boy, that article just really resonated for me because I lost my dad almost a year ago. Wow. And I wrote an article about a great lesson my dad taught me when he was my little league coach when I was eight years old about cheering people on, always be, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd go chatter up. Let's, you know, uh, holler up. Let's hear some chatter. 
Mm-hmm. And he would always tell us, if you're in the field, you cheer on your pitcher. If you're in the dugout and you're at bat, you cheer on whoever's up at the plate. And I shared that lesson in an article. And it actually made me cry to write the article because I just miss him dearly. Yeah. But Brian said, he reached out and he goes, man, I felt that. He goes, I still have my dad, but it made me think of the lessons my dad teaches me. He goes, crazy. I should probably call my dad today and, you know, and just, just talk with him. <laughs> yeah. So always just be connected to why you do what you do. And all these incredible little nudges and thank yous are going to come your way to keep you on that path. Cause we get, we get disheartened. We have failures. I had a really bad speaking event early in my career that nearly ended my career hmm. because somebody offered me a decent chunk of money and said, well, they're aeronautical engineers. Can you speak to them? I said, I can speak to anybody. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it failed miserably. Oh, it was as what was the speech supposed to be about? Were supposed it to was motivational. And of course, yeah. you're talking about, about a bunch of analytical people. Didn't wow. even have a handout. Didn't have any bullet points. And I, I'm just up there telling stories and cracking jokes Oof. as part of my opening. And it, it was, uh, I equate it because now it, it's a punchline now about, you know, knowing what you want, knowing it's a good fit. Yeah. But at the time I said, it's like one of those old World War II movies where somebody would shoot the plane and it didn't explode like they do now. It, it you know, a couple of holes in the fuselage and then a little smoke would come out, a little oil and then fire. And then, then it would just kind of trail for a while and it would crash. I got shot three minutes into a 90 minute speech and trailed just smoke. a slow burn. <laughs> slow burn. And at the end, the HR person was furious with me and made me give back some money and, and just berated me. Wow. That's and terrible. it was, it was my fault because it wasn't a good fit. I got blinded by success. It was not an alignment. Yeah. Our, our communication and skill sets did not match. We were not the right fit. Yeah. I insisted we were, because I wanted the money. Hmm. Lesson learned. So I say no to things now that aren't a yeah. good fit for me. And I, I get a lot of opportunities that come my way. I say no to more things now than I say yes to. And yeah, it's to you, honor them as well as myself. You know, I, it's been a big lesson in my life too, is to basically, when I'm faced with a decision, because a lot of times, you know, we we have these, these conflicts, right? Internal conflicts, like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And I've learned to, you know, it's a practice, obviously, but I've learned to, when I feel that, that fork in the road, to say, wait a minute, you know, is this my heart wants to do this or is it my head? My head being logic, survival, scarcity, ego, importance, money, success, you know, like all these like things that are external, versus do I really like, do I really want to like in, in, if I didn't, if it wasn't about the money, if I had, a, you know, let's say a ton of money, would I still do this? If the answer is no, then why am I doing it now? You know, so why, you know, do I really need to do it? Do I have to do it? You know, and most of the time the answer is no. So, but we say yes, because, oh, well, you know, that'd be good to, it's a logical, it's the right choice. I can get some money and save it. And, you know, quote unquote, right choice, you know? So, Mm -hmm. well, what happened with me so many times, I would say yes to everything. And then I would actually get mad at the person that I said yes to, but all I had to do was say, no, you know, I I get, I get frustrated. I get resentful. I'd be like, well, I'm doing all this for you. And somebody once said, you could have said no. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to let you down. And they go, well, you're kind of letting me down now because all you're doing is complaining. Right. So I said, okay. You know, fair enough, finished the work and, and didn't complain anymore because it, it was wrong for me to complain anyway. 
but that's when I started to learn the whole honor yourself thing. It's okay to say no. You don't even have to give a reason why. I usually do. Either it's not a good fit or my schedule's too busy or whatever. But you have to honor yourself enough to just stay focused on the things that are going to bring you to a better place or are people you really want to work with. Mm. And, you know, it's important when you do that. It's so freeing. When you, when you just say no, and you can feel bad because you, maybe you thought you let somebody down, they're generally going to respect your decision. Yeah, I mean, if you're coming from an authentic place, I think that's the key. And ultimately, if they don't respect your decision, then it was, that's even more proof that it wasn't aligned for you anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, cool, my friend. Hey, what's the name of your vision program? And then, like I said, we'll have a link for that in the show notes for this, for this episode. So check the website. But yeah, it's called uh, Engaging Your Why Vision Board Mastery. It's, it's kind of got a Sweet. dual name over the years. It's morphed into one or the other. And the, uh, the website link that, that they'll be sharing, there's also a, a free masterclass, a webinar on there. So that if people want to know a little bit more about the basics and bring a pen and paper to that, pen, and paper, heart, and mind to that. Yeah, I like we that. share so much information just in that. And if that helps you to get on your journey, Great. If it, if it dispels some myths, excellent. If you want to continue to invest in yourself, there's a couple options there. And a couple of them are just a couple of dollars, these little mini crash course things that were so much fun to create. They, they just were. Yeah. I think one of them was like three or four bucks or something. So you got yeah. Really $3 cool and 65 cents. And I laughed at the amount when, when again, one of my team suggested that one cent for every day of the year or what? <laughs> that's what he said. He goes, people will be like, wow, that's clever and funny. And all of a sudden people start investing in it. And even in the little video that talks about it, it says the skills you learn here can help you every single day of the year. And that's why it's that weird price. Nice. And no, I'm not going to market up a penny during leap year. It's just going to stay. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Cool, buddy. I'm have one more question for you. What are yeah. you grateful for right now today? Uh, well, first thing getting written in tomorrow's gratitude journal is the fact that we had this conversation. <laughs> nice. You know, because it's, it's something that made my day. Um, other things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that I finished this weekend. My muscles are killing me. Uh, trimming back the trees and bushes that were starting to ruin our fence in the backyard. Oh, wow. And it was a huge job. And I knew if I started it and got distracted, I would never finish. Hmm. And I finished. It was over a hundred feet length of fencing Ooh. and cleared it all out. And the brush workout. chipper broke. So I, I had to carve a path into the woods to dump all the brush in a big pile in the woods, but wow. got it done. And actually I wrote that in this morning's gratitude journal. Nice. But I'm happy I stayed focused enough, put the phone down, turned off Facebook, and just hit it hard all weekend and did No that. live streaming while you're... <laughs> oh, gosh, no. No, I was probably cursing too much. My legs and arms are all cut up from brush and branches smacking me in the... I took one in the eye, but it didn't do any damage. But, you know, you take your safety glasses off for five minutes, that's when a branch snaps yeah, you right in it. the eyeball. It'll find you. But, yeah, and that was another thing I'm grateful for. I can still see. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't but, it? You know, you yeah. see people every day. It's like we get caught up with our little minute problems that we have. And then there's always guaranteed, always somebody out there that's having a worse day than you yeah. in every aspect. So yeah, there's a lot of times I'll drive past a funeral and I'll say, well, I'm having a better day than everybody there. So yep. maybe I should stop if I was kind of down that day. Maybe I should just stop feeling sorry for myself and go do something nice. 
mm-hmm. for somebody or go to the grocery store parking lot. And if you see a carriage block in a spot, bring it back to the store or back to the yeah. crowd. You know, I call that shopping cart rodeo. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. And anytime I see somebody just about done putting their groceries, especially if it's a maybe a senior or maybe a mom who's already put their kid in the car and they, they're nervous about walking away from the car, from a distance, I'll say, excuse me, would you like me to bring that carriage back for you? And they just light up. Hmm. And it's simple. You're going in the store anyway. Because hmm. then uh, when you get to the store, if you see somebody else going, excuse me, you need a carriage? The uh, wheels hardly wobble and the hand grips warmed up. You'll love it. It has never and been refused. It instantly flips their day. It flips your day. And boom, yeah. you flip you know, I've had people look at me and they go, you're kind of weird, but I trust you in a strange way. I'll take the <laughs> carriage. And then, you know, they push forward. I go, see that? Wheels hardly wobble. No, and funny. they look back, they're smiling, laughing. I don't know where their day was. Hmm. All I know is I feel better because a little act of kindness in some humor. Hmm. Got me through it. No, not everybody's comfortable talking to strangers. I'll, I'll talk anywhere to anybody pretty much. But it's those little moments that get me back on track if I'm veering or maybe a little down or in a funk or something like that. Hmm. Love it, man. Thank you so much for this conversation. This was Thank awesome. Thank you. I was honored to be a part of it. Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. I would love to. My dear friend, author, speaker, motivator, Steve Gamlin. It's been a pleasure, dude. Thank you very much. All right. So check the episode link, guys, on the website. We will get get you a hold of that awesome vision board program. And we'll see you next time. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with my friend, Steve Gamlin. He's an author, motivational speaker, helping people actualize their vision through his weekly motivational firewood. You can learn more at www.motivationalfirewood.com or check him out on social media at Steve Gamlin. You know, vision is such a crucial part of living a transformed and dynamic life. I know in my own life, it's been a continual journey to articulate who I am and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. To me, vision is central to having confidence, success, and most of all, fulfillment in life. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe on any channel you listen to and share it with at least one friend who you believe will benefit from today's episode. You can also tag me on social media at Tutor, Tutor Alexander Official and let me know your thoughts on today's episode, please. I love getting feedback and my goal is to bring you as much value as possible in the time that we share. Don't forget also about Steve's Vision Board Mastery Program. It's an amazing and fun, powerful tool to help you on your own path to creating a vision. If you're struggling with finding a purpose, articulating your why, or simply being organized in the pursuit of your goals, this program will help you get empowered to take massive action towards your dreams. A link to the program will be in the show notes for this episode. Just check www.danceoflife.com episode 141. And finally, remember our quote for today. Don't let others tell you what you can't do. Don't let the limitations of others limit your vision. If you can remove your self-doubt and believe in yourself, you can achieve what you never thought possible. That's by Roy T. Bennett from The Light in the Heart. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, thank you for listening. I love you guys. And remember, life is a dance. Now go out there and dance it well.
more episodes and weekly content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.